This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I'm joined, as always, Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We're going to jump right in in just a minute. Before we do that, I want to remind everybody to go to practicalshepherding.com, and you can access all of our resources there. You can give on the donate page. And we actually have a new book out, Jim, on pastoral friendship. It's actually officially out now. By the time you're listening to this, you can get it. We would encourage you to get it through 10 of those. In particular, they're going to have the best price. But Christian Focus... Uh, is the publisher, and you can get it through them as well, as well as a lot of other different bookstores. But we encourage you to support uh, these these Christian ministries that make uh, Christian books affordable for us to be able to have and support those ministries as you do that. And uh, we're going to jump right into the topic, though, Jim. We've had uh, several requests to come in, and one of the things that came in was the topic we're going to discuss today, and that is, uh, how does a pastor go into an established church? So we we've talked a lot about, you know, Church revitalization, church planting, uh, wanting to go to a healthy church. How do you deal with a dysfunctional church? Jim, what if it's just a plain old normal church? And that's the church you actually just go. It doesn't have any of these clever titles that go with it. It's just a normal established right. church. A fairly healthy church. It's been right. going on for years. There's been one, two, three, four, whatever senior pastors previously. They, they might be healthy and in some ways. They're not maybe not healthy in other ways, but it's hard. Nobody, yep. There's nothing. It, it's not in the revitalization. It's not, well, I think when you describe going to Auburndale, you sometimes say, you know, you're going into a dying church. It's mm-hmm. not a dying church. No. Um it's established. It's stable. Yes, an established, stable church. We'll put okay, it. So, what do you what do you do with that? That's what we want to talk about. So, Jim, first, let's talk about um, just kind of biblical category for were, were there any established churches when the New Testament was written? I mean, what do we, what kind of text do we want to think well, about? Well, as, as things go on, you you do have. I mean, you at least you know you well you're going to be dealing in the first century there. So maybe by the end of the uh, close of the apostolic era, you have some churches that are you know, we're going to be 40, 50 years old by that time. But Second Timothy 2, the things you have heard, uh, you know, give these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It seems to indicate that there is something of succession in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Paul's words to Timothy uh, in, in regard to, uh, here's an older man, your mentor, he is about to die. Uh, Timothy's going to step into uh, perhaps something of a role he hasn't had previously. Uh, he's had a great pattern uh, laid out for him, but now these things are going to be upon him in a way that they had not been, at least in the same way, when uh, you know, had Paul in his life. Paul's going to be out of his life as far as a living mentor. So, I mean, you you have some things like that, but uh, unless you're starting a church or planting a church, uh, if you're going into, as I think as many are coming out of seminary, going into an established church, uh, you're going to have to try to work through uh, what's my role, uh, particularly if the pastor before me was a a good pastor, um, he was faithful in the things that he did, and the people had a large attachment to him or, or to his ministry. Uh, how do you go in? Uh, in what way? Are you, are you simply a custodian of another man's legacy? When do you want to start building something that has a, a little bit more of your own uh, help and your own burden or that, that sort of a thing? So I think that's kind of where we want to go with this. Yeah, before we go there, I think there's a couple other places, texts that come to mind. One is just the the reality of Paul uh, in Acts, who actually goes back around from mm-hmm. where he planted, and and he went solely to the existing churches yes. to encourage them and to check on them. And so I think there's they had to exist long enough to for Paul to go back to them. 
And yeah, and to, there they established elders in every place. Yeah, that's right. uh, and that's so right. leadership got established. The only leadership they, they that some of them might have had, or they none of them would have been converted under uh, Paul or Barnabas. And so that's a, a, a new man coming in and uh, you know taking in ministry in that kind of a setting too. And then we have the then we have the churches in Revelation, don't we? That at least we're we're established long enough to then have some problems with, mm. within them that that they're being confronted by in the writing of Revelation. So. Uh, as well as you've got, you know, when you got the letters of Paul to these different churches, I mean, we probably think mostly of the Corinthians, that the church, I mean, I think we would all agree, a church doesn't have to exist a long time to become a mess. Mm. But there, there is an implication in that, that the church was established enough that he had these expectations, this should not be the way right, that things right. are happening. So, so we do have some evidence of, of established churches in that way. But obviously when we're coming to now... Um, Churches in you know in the different uh, areas, countries of the world, even, but particularly in the United States, we have a lot of established churches. That, some that have been around, you know, uh, 10, 20 years. Some have been around hundreds of years. Mm. Uh, so there's a history that comes with them. And but let's kind of give a category of what kind of church we're talking about. A stable church. So we would say there's uh, this is a church that maybe isn't meeting budget, but has plenty of money that's coming in. Mm-hmm. So the church is financially stable. Uh, they have long-term members that are there. Right. Uh, maybe a diversity in generations mm-hmm. that would exist there. So they have old people, They'd have, but they'd have some younger people. So that, that's the first sign a lot of people look at is like, oh, this church is in trouble. It only has old people. Right. So there's a, there's a mix of the generations. There's actually children in the church, which a lot of people equate with, you know, life in the church yeah, and those kind of sure. things. So that's the kind of church we're, we're talking about. And you go in and you you go through the interview process and then you're you're hired. So young pastor comes in, first church. This is the church he goes into because obviously most young pastors are not getting a really healthy situation. That's true. Right, right. So, Brian, you deal a lot with that. So you deal a lot with church revitalization. Yeah. When I hear that, I'm thinking church may be a little bit on life support, may not, right. maybe not going to make it. You've even talked about helping churches to die well or to close well right uh, but so that's not what we're looking at here so here we have something that is relatively stable it's relatively healthy but you're coming in you're stepping into another man's shoes uh, let's give a situation like maybe the guy's been there for 20 years before there'd been a 20 yeah. year pastorate before that maybe 20 years before that with another man so fairly stable and he uh, but, retired so yeah, he didn't retired. leave the church for another church he, he or he died he, or he died so there wasn't an end to the ministry was that was scandalous or you know conf- right so he's not having to deal with yes he's not having to deal with a bad pastor that right. left a lot of wounds a lot of scars so let's put it this way stable and undramatic, if I'm okay, make a word up. You right. know, it's like you're coming yeah. in, it's kind of this is regular old, you know, just regular established church. So pastor goes in, he's in his first year. What's some of the things we would mention to him if he was sitting here in his first year? So he's going into this church, and your first 12 months, what's some advice you would give him on what he needs to focus on? So let's not think long term. Let's just, you for your first year going there. Yeah, I, I think he, what we're looking at, Brian, is that you you do the main things that you're called to do, and and so that means you're going to establish a pattern of preaching the word helpfully and faithfully, week in and week out. That's that's 
uh, that's probably number one. Uh, there's a reason why, if you're coming into, again, to use the language that's often used, a senior pastor situation, uh, maybe you're in a situation even where there's other elders, established lay elders there in the church, but you're coming in as the primary preaching elder, the primary preaching pastor. And so I think the first thing that you're going to want to do is to focus on the week in and week out ministry of the Word. I think you want to show them that you have an ability to communicate the Word well, that you understand the gospel, that you're Christ-centered, that you're sensitive to the uh, needs of the people as far as what's going on here. And what I mean by that is that if you recognize you're in a church where there's maybe we're giving a lot of these kind of we're building this imaginary church in our mind, but let's say it's 100 members in the church, right. and they've been there, many of them have been there for years or for decades, they're faithful as best as you can see, that you're not there treating them like they're a bunch of unconverted people, that there's a bunch of false professions in the church, and so everything is a razor's edge to the conscience, that sort of a thing. Uh, I don't think that that's a wise, you may have to do that in some situations. Maybe again, you're going into a liberal denomination or something like that, and where there's a bad view of conversion, you may need to do something like that. But I think generally speaking, show a pastor's heart, and that is to week in, week out, uh, faithfully uh, preach the word. I think that's the number one thing you need to that's do. A good, that's a good one, and I actually want to back up even on that, uh, because what I would say to this person is, your first year you go in, and you become a student of that church, and mm. you learn everything you can about the history of the church, the people of the church. So I totally agree with you that preaching ministry is, is one of the primary things he needs to focus on in his first year. Just go and faithfully preach, establish your ministry, let the seeds of the word begin to find good soil. But you also need to go in and find out what kind of preaching did they listen to from that guy mm-hmm. for the last 20 years? Or what kind of preaching did this do the guy before that? So mm-hmm. you actually have to investigate. You know, since have to almost interview people as you get to know them about and what the And in today's like. world, you can probably listen to you know as many of those sermons. Most churches today record their sermons, and they're available so that you could actually listen to and get an idea. Was this a healthy ministry? Was there a good focus on things? Were there things that were consistently missed or, or not there in another man's preaching and, and build off of that? That's a good idea, but even I think it's even more informative to uh, go to ask people mm. and let them describe the mm. preaching experience. Mm. That that's the way they're gonna. He's actually gonna hear from them. I mean, I definitely listen to see what he actually did, but then go to members and just have, tell me about the last pastor. Tell me about mm. what is what was his, what was helpful about his preaching. What was not helpful about his preaching? Man, you're gonna learn so much about at least what the expectation of these people are. So I agree with you. Preaching is is the first priority to go in, but but you're gonna know how to preach better that first year if you go in and ask those questions and learn about. Hmm. And the second thing I would say is you want to add the same philosophy to visitation. So let's in an established church that's got some good things, some healthy marks, but you know isn't you know isn't a, a dramatic you know scene of the Lord at work at least to somebody looking upon it. Usually in that in that mix, you've got a guy who probably faithfully preached to some degree and he mm. faithfully visited people. Right. And so those are the two. That's the other aspect of your ministry. I would say, go into your first year, try to be in, especially the scenario you pay, you know, hundred members. Well, dedicate your first year to be in every member's home mm. in the first year at least once, mm-hmm. and be then strategic with be in the home, but be strategic about. Tell me about your experience with this church. Tell me about the last pastor and his preaching. Tell me about you know what kind of relationship you had with him. 
And you will learn the history from the church, not necessarily from reading it from their history that they mm-hmm. wrote out, but from the members, the yeah, longtime members good. who have been there. So yep. go to, go in and dedicate your first year to preach your heart out and go visit and love those people. Uh, anything else on first year, Jim, you would suggest? Yeah, I do have a couple of things. One is I'm just going to piggyback on what you said. You know, Find out if there are uh, maybe older housebound members or nursing yep. home you know, members, those sorts of things, and, and get to know them as well because yep. that could be really easy to have people like that you're not intentionally ignored, but just because you're you're caught up with everything yeah, else. That's right. But that's I think good. people like that would be would really appreciate introduce yourself. You know, you you they they may not ever get to hear you preach in person, but they are sheep that are attached to that church and they're they're under your charge. I'd say that that'd probably be one thing I would just add to that as yep, far as good. what you had stated. So Brian, I think you know the three things that we're you're gonna go after that are really these are the lifelong things. So you, you preach the word you, you invest in the lives of people, and then you have a, a platform not only of your own, you know, ministerial faithfulness and the love that you have, um, but but you you live your life with a life of integrity, mm-hmm. um, and that is you know, so you pursue godliness, you you pursue robust health of your own soul, and, and that can't be neglected in the midst of this. There's, there's a lot of busyness that goes in. There's a lot of establishing going to be spending a lot of time in books. You're going to be spending a lot of time getting to know people that are not lifelong friends. Uh, they're, they're new relationships that carries with it uh, some uh, pressure, some responsibility, and you got to make sure that you don't neglect your own soul and the yeah. growth of your own soul hmm. uh, with that because the, the foundation of any faithful ministry, what it allows you to be able to endure is the fact that you handle the word well, you love people well, and you've guarded your own heart. And if you don't have those three things, you're not going to be able to faithfully pastor in any situation. But those are going to be the things. So as people hear you, I mean, again, you're talking about these first few months, this first year, you know, that young guy, whatever he is, however old he is, uh, 27, 28, 29, 30 years old, pastoring his first church, first, first senior pastorate. He really handles the word well. You know, again, he's learning, he's growing, but there's enough in there that you recognize that this guy's going to grow. He's going to be a really fine preacher. Uh, he handles the word well. He's respectful in how he handles it, those sorts of things. Uh, he's come around. He's shown an interest in us. He loves us. And we observe him and his watch how he talks to his wife, how he interacts with his kids, how he interacts with others. Uh, there is there is an aroma of having been with Christ instead of the disciples that they realize they had been with Jesus. You know, there is something of that that we want to be able, want people to be able to see that uh, in us. And so I think those are the things. If you're going to last, uh, those are the things that are really going to need to be there uh, and focus on at the beginning. It's good. I want to add one more thing to this first year, and that's. Don't be troubled by the lack of drama. So a lot of guys go in and <laughs> and almost like like what am I missing? Like you know everybody's not fighting. I hear all these horror stories of pastor going in and and in an established church where potentially you're following a a pretty faithful guy. Yeah. Um. You may not be dealing with the the wounds of of, con- of the congregation as much as churches that have a rotating door of pastors. Right. So go in. They actually might receive your ministry quicker and sooner. Mm-hmm. So be patient in that. The reason I say that is that some guys can go in and see, they, they kind of nitpick the little things they don't like about the church, and they're like, oh, 
this seems to be going relatively smooth. I'm just going to go after all those things now in the first year because it, it seems like they're going to let me. And I just want to caution you to not do that. Right. Uh, like embrace the peacefulness of maybe the your your honeymoon period of your first year or two. And don't get greedy to try to change a bunch of little things. If, if you go in and it's a pretty established place where there's there's good patterns in some areas, you know, don't get greedy and go after the things that you want to change right away. To be thankful that the whole thing's not a mess and you can actually embrace those aspects that are good and, and preach and love people because you still have to earn the trust of people as you're there before you can really start shaking things up. Don't miss the fact that just because it's an established church and it looks like it's fairly healthy, don't think there's not traditions that exist there. That mm. is, moment you start peeling them away, that the claws aren't going to come out. Uh, so don't pick a battle and a fight that you actually, that you don't have to actually pick. Yeah, at least not yet. Not yet. Right. So let's and, go. And this, that's this a good is... segue, Jim. So, for, so five year plan, a five to ten year plan, and as you so you got this that first year and really want to focus there, but. Yeah, it's an established church that, you know, again, relatively healthy, which means you you might be able to make some ground sooner than others. So five to ten years, what kind of things does this pastor need to be thinking about as he has the long-term view? Yeah, well, Brian, that's really any of us that, that are in ministry. I, I've been at it for 32 years now, again, so you ask yourself, with the same church, and so you know, if somebody says, well, what's your strategy or, you know, what is, what's your goal at this point? And... Oh, that's an interesting question to ask because in, in some cases it's love the next person, preach the next text. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't have anything. I mean, I have I have things I want to see. I want to see churches planted. I want to see uh, men raised up. I want to see healthy marriages. I mean, those are the kinds of things I want to see. I want to see young people brought to faith. I want to see more uh, raw pagans uh, reached with the gospel and brought to faith and baptized and taught everything Jesus uh, uh, tells us to teach. You know, so those are the things that, you know, but I, I don't have like a, I don't have a five-year, 10-year, 15-year goal that by this time I want to see this or I want to have accomplished, you know, those kinds of things. It's, 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 it's more the everyday faithfulness. But, but in regard to that, that comes with, you know, depending what your your theological background is and what your convictions are, so you might have convictions. You have to. These are convictions, and then you have preferences. So maybe you have convictions about how the worship should be run, and and, and so you have uh, certain things that you say. Okay, I think this or that is contrary to our gathering. I want to see that changed. I want to see that streamlined. I want to see it more God-centered. I want to see it more reverent. You know, those are so those are some things. Those are convictions that may be rooted in the Word. But you might have preferences, like you like a guitar more than a piano, or or, or you like uh, people to dress a certain way when they're up in the up front, as opposed to they want to see them maybe again today probably more dressed down than dressed up. Uh, you want to see things more contemporary. Uh, you like you like the Gettys, they like the Gaithers, you know, th- those kinds of things. And you're going to say to yourself, all right, where's conviction and where are preferences? And the convictions are going to then be, as you try to work these things out, so if, if you want to get into that, I can get into that because I have, I have a few things I think I'd like to say about it. But if you want to, you got to counter or you want to bring something else well, in. I, but let's... I, yeah, I mean, we can get into that. I think the, what, what you're highlighting is good, though, and that's the, you know, we're not talking, I mean, you're, you're in a different position. I mean, you, you have established yourself without a doubt as mm-hmm. the long-term pastor at your church. I think 
how you think about the future is different than the guy who is coming in and trying to still establish himself. Right. And it's going to take, I think we would argue, five to ten years for him to establish himself right. as that actual pastor. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm referring to. And so I think, but you're hitting on it, whether it's worship, whether it's, you know, evaluating areas of the church like leadership and how the money's spent and all those kinds of things. You know, that feels like more five to ten year yeah. plans. That so and future. again, so I get into what is what's conviction and what's preference. Yep. And and so, conviction is this is I I, I can preach on this, uh, I I can exegete this, I can apply this, and I can try to lead the church into uh, greater degrees of health or greater degrees of conformity with Scripture. So you leave preference alone then. No, I don't think I don't okay. necessarily think that you have to, but if if anything is going to trail behind, it's going to be the issue of preference. Okay, yeah, and, and so certainly behind uh, conviction. Sure. Yes, behind yep. conviction, yep. and don't don't mix the two up. The you know the fact that this That's is a good distinction, and yep. I think that you need to be able to do that. And I think as you work both with conviction and then especially with preference, you need you need to be willing to get a lot of feedback. And to, and to ask yourself, the fact that you preached it doesn't necessarily mean you preached it well, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you preached it convince, convincingly. Yeah. It may not have be as convincing as you thought it was. Well, I, I mean, I, I preached on why we shouldn't have a bell choir, and and everybody's upset. You know, I mean, nobody did anything at first about it. I thought everybody agreed, but then when I went to the you know worship director and said something, everything you know got messed up. Well, you, I, I would as I would do is I would find. Uh, are there older, godly people in the church, well versed in the scriptures, who've been there for years? And so you come alongside Mr. Smith, and you say, "Brother, what did you think about?" Or, or maybe even before you preach it, you tell him, "Say, hey, I'm, I'm getting yeah. into this. Uh, I've seen this in the church. Now I have a conviction based on my study of the scriptures and, and a lot of you know, older writers and and, and good." pastors and preachers that I know. I'd like to see the church embrace a more biblical stance here. What are your thoughts on that? And what do you see as, what am I missing? Or what what might be a danger? Even if you've been there for five years, yep. you come alongside somebody like that. I would also encourage that you establish uh, relationally with somebody who might be very strongly in a very traditionalist camp and things like that, and it's just the way we've always done it. It's the way my daddy did it. It's the way we, you know, and and, yep. and they're so going to be an established. Yeah, church. yeah so they're they may be not so much. They've never thought through is this or that biblical, but it's safe, it's familiar, and, and there's something that they really like about that. Yep. You need to be able to go to someone like that and and show them respect and not just bulldoze from the pulpit, not just say, "Well, I just landed an exegetical haymaker, and so they're you know yeah. they're out of here." Or I'm just waiting for people like that to get out of. Well, it's their church too, and, yeah. and unless they're unconverted, unless you know you know all of that sort of a thing, you want to try to wisely win them, and yeah. and and because they may not be as theologically grounded. But they they will take to the fact that you respectfully came to them, sought to establish a relationship with them. So let me ask you this. So what would, if we went in this direction, I mean, the first time I've ever thought about it, oh, I can't believe anybody would ever do that. Okay, yeah. well, let me let me just lay out to you. This is, this is, I'm not saying what we're doing yet, but this is part of what I'm thinking. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? What scares you about that? Or what, what encourages you about that? So I think that that's being... Again, to the word and to the testimony. I mean, you, you, you got to preach what the word says, and, and you need to have the courage to apply the word. 
But knowing and understanding where people are as you bring that word, I think is something that's really crucial. Yeah, and you make a good point in that in an established church, those people exist. Like they may not, it may be a different kind of conversation they've had, but they're probably going to at least welcome a conversation if you approach them well, especially if you don't do it in the first year, but you're, this is part of the five, 10 year process right. of, of having these conversations, bringing other people there who have the credibility and been there a long time alongside you to try to be able to help support you in whatever kind of adjustments in the, based on convictions that you're wanting to make. I also appreciate your conviction versus preference distinction. That's, I think, really helpful because I think guys get comfortable in established churches. It's like, I'm really going to have to screw up to, to really rock the boat here. But yeah. I could, but I'm really going to have to do that. And so, we, we, again, we get greedy and go after preferences that we have. It's really important for us to know ourselves enough to know, is this a conviction you know, or is this a preference that, that I need to just adjust to what the tradition and establishment is and what most of these people want, even though maybe it's something that I don't want. Right, because you can say, listen, I, I, I may never get some of my preferences here. Yeah. And, and this goes back, Brian, I think I wanted to touch on this. I think some of this can, can get back to with a guy, you know, some of these issues of identity, you know, what... what uh, you 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 hear again? Maybe you've been even after five years. Well, Pastor Jones didn't do it that way, or I I I still miss Pastor Jones. That kind of and, and you're you're thinking to yourself, I've been here five years. You should be looking at me in this way. You know, this should become more and more my church. You know, this has all the fingerprints of of that previous guy. He liked this kind of music. He liked the choir. He liked you know whatever it is. Yep. This is how they did things at Christmas time and Fourth of July and. And I'm sick and tired of having, you know, and I want to establish, maybe you get the idea, like, I want to establish my own traditions. I want them to look at me this way. And you got to be real careful with that mm-hmm. because, just because it can be unhealthy for yourself. I'm not, look, if these are sacred cows out there, and again, the whole point is not to maintain another guy's visions or preferences for decades. Yep. But again, to recognize, all right, um, even if some of this, these preferential issues never change. And even sometimes of a convictional issue. So like, say, let's say, for instance, you have a conviction that you ought to celebrate the Lord's Supper every week, and it's just not. It's just you're get you're getting blocked with that. Maybe a fairly strong conviction, mm. and you say, "Okay, I'm going to have to be for right now. It's going to be a once a month, or you know, whatever it is. I'm gonna I'm going to try to I'm going to live with that." and I'm not going to be a, a squeaky wheel about it all the time. I may look for an opportunity to revisit it at another time, but I can still preach the word. I can still love these people. I can live a godly life. I can be there and help them and do everything that I can to face the Lord with a good conscience on the last day, even if everything I want, ideally, if I were planning a church, this church would look different. If I didn't have any fellow elders, this church would look different in this way. This is part of going into an established church is you're, you're inheriting, you know, you want something exactly like you want it from the beginning, go plant a church. Right. But that's what we're talking about, going into an established church that's established and are not panicking that things are wrong. Yeah. So you just got to go in realizing you're going to have to accept a lot of that as you go through that process. Let me shift gears for our last few minutes on this. We're talking about established churches, but we did have somebody ask us this question that we feel is tied to this conversation with uh, trying to care for an established church. What happens when that pastor of an established church leaves, retires, dies, what, whatever it is, but not in a scandalous or hurtful way, but just it was his time, his ministry was over. And... You're the remaining people in that church 
trying to find another pastor to come and take his place. Right. And there's really not, so there's not a plurality of elders, so there's no obvious person to kind of lead this process. Let's take From a minute. Within, yeah. yeah. Let's talk, take a minute and talk about the leaders who are left in that established church trying to find a pastor to replace him. So uh, what kind of things do, does that, maybe that associate pastor or maybe that lead chairman of the deacons or the search team or whatever it is, yeah. what kind of things would we want to share with them in the midst of trying to find a pastor for their established church? Well, I think you have to ask yourself, what are you, what are you looking for and what are your goals? I mean, if, if your goal is simply we want somebody to, like an actor gets replaced on a TV show, you know, and, and you try to make it as subtle as possible and, and everybody acts like it's the same person, even though it's a different actor coming in, filling the exact same role. Is that all that you want? You you want Pastor Jones 2.0, essentially. We could have just cloned him and have him over again. Yeah. So, so we're saying... Uh, Please just be a custodian of what we yeah. already have. Just watch over what just we're doing. Just watch over what we have. Keep preaching. Yeah. And please don't change anything. Please don't challenge us on anything. You know, yeah. These are things that are difficult, you know, the, the, because, you know, I mean, what, do I want somebody coming in after 30, 40 years and, you know, knocking everything down that you spent 30, yeah. 40 years? But at the same time, well, well, again, I went to the law and to the testimony. I, mean, I want somebody to preach the word. I want somebody to apply the word. I, if I've, I've been blind, et cetera. But <clears throat> so you have to ask yourself, okay, what is a, what is a, you have to ask yourself, what are we looking for? What are biblical qualifications? Maybe, again, we can't assume that every church has ever really thought through. They might say, well, we want biblical qualifications, but they never thought through, really worked through, exegeted Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3, well, and some and of the ancillary. how does that show up in somebody's life on top of that? How do you evaluate that? Yeah, well, I think, well, in, in my view, you, you can't figure that out with one or two trial sermons and, a, and two weekend visits uh, and an interview. Agreed. And that's what I'm saying, that, that these uh, churches uh, that have search teams – you know, typically have a different. They're usually judging the next pastor by what they've already had, not necessarily from evaluating First Timothy or yeah, Titus. what they've had, or they want what some other church has. They, yeah. You know, they they want. Well, I want a dynamic leader. I want somebody that's going to bring in more people. We need somebody who's more evangelistic. We need more decisions. We need you know the, all of those things that can come in and saying, what do I? I want a faithful godly shepherd who knows how to feed God's people, who fears the Lord, who will love us and walk with us through life so that, again, I keep using that old phrase, we get to heaven in the best shape possible. So that's a, that sounds great, Jim. Here's the problem. Yeah. Most churches have no idea whatsoever on how to find that guy. Right. And so I think the spirit of the question we're getting is a good one in that you know, we, we even know what we want, but how in the world do we find it? And then how do we keep the church moving forward as we go through that process to try to find that person? Yeah. So I, I would my, the main piece of advice I give churches looking for a pastor or an associate who kind of takes the reins to be the lead guy in that interim period and, and leading the process to find another pastor. Yeah. You know, some of the best advice I think to, to give is, you know, don't do kind of random searches. Casting lots, yes, it's in the Bible. It is a bad way to find your pastor. So, you know, find you know, first go to the people that you all know, like in, in any network of other pastors that you know, other right. friends that maybe know pastors, because you want to find your guy based on a personal recommendation that somebody else can give you. That is always always the best way to find a good fit for your next pastor, especially in an established church where, you know, again, the church in an established church, what you find, especially if there's a 
an associate there that could even, or just an interim leader who can keep things going for six or 12 months through that process, they, they're they not panicking. They're not, our church is going to close in 12 months. We don't find a guy. So right. take your time, but do the work, do the hard work to talk to the people you know, the networks, who uh, yeah. people who know pastors, and get recommendations and start your process that way. Most search teams will put up, an add-on on a website, and then they'll get 100, 150 resumes to try to right. comb through. It is it is a really unhelpful process to go about it that way. So if you're somebody who's trying to find a pastor, especially an establisher, be patient. Take your time. Don't panic. Your church is stable. Like it's going to remain that way for six to twelve months as you try to how does you try to find a, another pastor. So, but Jim, here's one question to think about with the, the let's say the associate that's still there. Do you? We know that the church would probably want him to just be a custodian, hold hold the position. Yeah. Do you think that's a good idea? Or some might argue that you take advantage of the interim period to try to address some things, mm. whether the church wants to or not. Do you have a thought on that? Uh, yeah, and, and I appreciate what you said, Brian. Because uh, prior to this, as we were talking, uh, uh, you know, trying to work through what we were going to say today, we talked about the possibility of, you know, I mean, should you really just be if you're an interim? Look, I'm just, I'm just holding the place. Look, yeah. and that, and that, I mean, I will, I will try to love on you as best I can love on you. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach a, a, a series through a book, you know, while I'm here, so you know you're going to get stable preaching. I'm available for emergency. You're talking about counseling. a guy who maybe they bring in for twelve yeah, months. Oh, yeah. yeah, or or yeah. he's raised up. Maybe again, or he's the up. associate, yep. and they're like, "Well, can you take this?" Yeah, yeah. and, and of course, now he may be thinking to himself, "Well, maybe I want this position," and you know, but but I think to the point that you were making, and I so I don't want to get off track with it because I do that sometimes. Uh, I, I you know you you say all right, maybe this is the ideal time. To say, listen, brethren. I think overall, you know, this is we, you know, we're 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 a healthy church. We want to bring somebody in. We've had twenty years with Pastor Jones, and now we're looking at again, hopefully, somebody that will be here for the next few years. Sometimes many churches struggle here, and it's not this guy; it's the next guy who winds up staying. So, what can we do, or what are things that we might be able to address? That you know, if our pastor could come back from the dead and say, "All right, hey, look, I'm going to say everything that was ever on my heart that I was a little bit afraid to say to you because I don't want to rock the boat," you know, what are some of those things that we need to deal with so that we really are in a healthy place to receive someone and gratefully receive their receive their ministry? So I think you know, when they're in an ideal world, I think you could have a guy who's who knows he's going to retire. You bring in somebody, you, you already have identified the next leader of the church, and they spend some time working things together. I think that's an ideal situation. Yep. I realize that a lot of times this is not going to happen, but that you know, but when that happens, there is a, a real handing off. Uh, there's that intergenerational handoff, and, and people are, uh, you know, the, the things that are important and established, the, the doctrinal foundations of the church aren't going to be rocked, and, and all of those things. And, and 
that pastor is giving his blessing upon a you know rising new generation and wants the congregation to follow them, mm. all of that sort of a thing. But again, what you're getting at is you're saying to yourself, look, here's a real opportunity for us. Hey, you can fire me, no skin off mine. I'm the interim. You know, I mean, what are you what are you going to do? You know, yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to address a few things. I, I I think I think we do this very well. I think I think we don't do this very well. I think we need to do better if we want to see somebody come here and want to be here and plant their life for. 20, 30 years, we need to do better on this. And again, maybe far easier for him because he's already there. And then for that, for the next guy to come in, because as we've laid this out, it might take him years. It may be five, 10 years before he's able to address some of those things where he has the relational That's collateral. Right. That's why this is important. Whereas this guy can, can, yeah. can you know, do a great favor to the congregation and a great favor to whoever's coming behind him. So I think that's a good point. And, and like I said, there are movements where, the terminology that's being used in kind of revitalization circles is an intentional interim where a church will bring in somebody from the outside uh, for six, 12 months to kind of lead in filling the pulpit and the pastoral needs, but also maybe even evaluating the church going, hey, what do you see as an outsider? Come in, help us see some things and help us try to bring in the next pastor. And that actually has shown to be successful in some places yeah. because churches are willing to maybe listen to a guy who comes from the outside. Who's, he's not going to be in long time invested. He's maybe willing to have hard conversations with people, but he's not going to be there a long time. I've actually seen that have success, but I will put a warning up for anybody who tries to do this. And that's if you try to do too much, it'll blow up on you. I, I watched right. a guy once who, uh, tr- an associate who, uh, was actually tried to move a church to have a plurality of elders. They've never had it before. And he tried to move them in that direction in the middle of uh, trying to find a pastor. And his logic behind it was, hey, wouldn't it be great if we called a guy and we could go ahead and get elders set up really fast and we could get a guy who wants elders and we could say, hey, we just established elders. You should come here. Like that did not go well mm. because that's a really big change in the church. Mm. And that's not the kind of change that needs to be, I think, brought in that interim period. So there you almost have to use discernment and wisdom on what what's too big to go after uh, and you need to wait for the next guy to come and, and lead it on his own. So uh, Jim, any final thought before before we wrap this episode on this topic? Yeah, because we're talking to the pastor and not the churchman, you know, if, if I do know there's some laymen that listen to this and so in fact, one of the questions related to this came from a layman uh, in, in, in a church and that is again trying to so if, if you're a layman and your desire what is your desire again is it just do you just want somebody to be a, a custodian a you know a preacher just keeping the old you know so a guy that came in after Spurgeon how did you do that right I mean you know, I'm just going to do everything Spurgeon did we're not going to change anything uh, and it's not going to become you know my church and I think we have to one of these things that, that I'm kind of weirdly wanted to get to earlier just and i know we're wrapping up it's not your church it's the lord's church and and so for the for the congregation it's not it's not first and foremost my church and it's not first and foremost my dead pastor's church or my former pastor's church this church is not a living legacy to that man's ministry whatever good that ministry was Mm. uh this is meant to be passed on generation to generation you want this church to last a long time because the lord is worthy of that and that helps you to say i'm just if that man will lead me by the word I'll, i'll be led by the word 
you're not trying to your your goal, dear young man, is not to establish your own church with your own legacy. Mm-hmm. It is in this sense to pass the baton faithfully to the next generation. Yeah, uh, so. yeah. That's my final word on this. Points to that, and, and that's uh, going to an establishment may not be dramatic and exciting, maybe as church planting or whatever it might yeah. be, but. But it's a good, noble work, and it's the heart of what Paul writes in Second Timothy too. Is yep. is this idea of pass it on to uh, uh, the next generation uh, to be faithful in that? You taking an established church of a long term pastor, go be that next long term pastor, and be faithful in that in, in in that pastoral grinding work that God's called you to. So, Jim, will you take a minute and pray yeah. for those pastors in particular? Yeah. Father, we do thank you for those who desire to follow your calling into ministry and uh, for many that will go into an established church. And if this is those who are entering in, Lord, do pray you'd give them help and wisdom, guidance, and direction. Father, give to them patience as they wait upon you. Uh, Give to them a heart and mind captive to your word. Help them to know the difference between their preferences and their Uh, exegesis and convictions. Uh, Father, we do pray that they would go in and and do good to your people, um, that they would have the the patience and the wisdom uh, to receive counsel from older uh, folks to know proper timing in which things are to be dealt with. Or this feels like a, in many ways, can be an overwhelming task. And so help them in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.